Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to The Subjective Truth, a paranormal docudrama about UFOs, ghosts, and liars. Graham, I understand your sarcasm when dealing with many of our field reporters. We're an eccentric bunch, and we tend to weird people out. But Amy definitely needs to file a report with MUFON. There should be a local chapter in Austin, or she could file with one back in New Mexico where the UFO sighting occurred. Either way, once the report is received, we will open up a case and check any plausible explanations. Nearby airports, flight paths, drone activity, and other possible witness testimonies. We'll take a deep dive into everything to be sure that what was witnessed actually was an unidentifiable object. Again, I understand the stigma, but please, report the sighting to MUFON. Back in 2006, my doctor discovered a pair of babies just under the skin of my left shoulder. I was a curious ten-year-old, so I asked him if I could take them home. At the time, I didn't realize what an important question that was. I still have them, the babies. They're in a jar on my nightstand. I keep them close because sometimes at night, the tiny metal balls will vibrate ever so gently against the glass. And on those nights, I know they're coming to see me. So I get to bed early. My niece told me about your show and showed me a particular episode that she said would be of interest to me. Now, after listening to the segment and helping her find the little tiny earpiece I fumbled and dropped, I went on the computer and looked into it a little more. I gotta say, I'm interested. As well as offering my dearest condolences, I'd like to offer my services. Now, I ain't good at much, but if I'm good at anything, it's finding things that nobody else can. I know those mountains better than anyone on the planet, and if he's out there, I can find him. Go ahead and give me a call back if you want to find your boy. Again, my name is Daniel Thompson, but please, call me Dan. Last year, my friends and I went to Coachella. We had a great time. This isn't some insane story about being kidnapped or brainwashed at a music concert. What happened was, well, basically some weird looking dude with a white guy afro and a long beard came up to me and said, My name is Buddha Klein. Buddha Klein. Please remember that. My name is Buddha Klein. Tell them I'm alive. The thing is, the guy looked real desperate when he said that. But then afterward, he just smiled, took a swig, and walked away. I've been really enjoying Gambino's setup to that point, and that really just killed my vibe. I can't say for sure if it was him or not. It could have just been someone who heard about the Buddha Klein case and wanted to play a sick joke. I don't know. I just thought I should call, just in case. Graham, I'm a skeptical man by nature. I'm not one to buy into all this supernatural stuff. 
So when I tell you that in 1984, I might have accidentally summoned a UFO while performing an exorcism in the New Mexican desert, you can trust that I'm telling the God's honest truth. A lot of places say they're weird. Austin, Portland, fucking Athens probably. But Taos is actually weird. Pretty much right when we arrived, we watched the guy dressed like Spider-Man beat the shit out of a purse snatcher. You don't see that shit every day. But then I did. See that every day. Not always a purse snatcher or even a criminal. Sometimes it was a drunk or a loudmouth. One time it was a frustrated dad in khaki shorts and a salmon-colored polo. Turns out Spider-Man just liked to fight. Next morning, we're hiking out there. I don't fucking know where, really. Lots of trees and shit. We came across an old Volkswagen Beetle, completely covered in bullet holes. We got close enough. So that car was just filled with bones. Not like human bones. They were chicken bones. Like cooked, fried, and gnawed on. Chicken bones. There had to be hundreds of them. Another night, we're at some bar. I can't remember the name. It doesn't matter. This guy comes in, and he just looks shaken up but excited, like he just narrowly missed a nasty car wreck and can't wait to pour the gory details onto somebody else. So I give him what he's looking for. I call the guy over to a table, and it takes maybe two beers before he gets into it. He tells us he's from Kansas, and I shit you not, that he's not there on vacation. He's on a mission to find Forrest Fenn's treasure, right? Forest fucking fence treasure. When I had your show, I was like, oh man, they're talking about chicken man's treasure. Hold on. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. So the guy won't tell us exactly where it happened because of reasons. But he did tell us that he was close to what he believed to be the blaze or Fen's final clue that would point him to the treasure. And he was attacked. Look at this. He says he was attacked by a six-foot-tall chicken. I ask him if it looks like Big Bite, and he looks at me dead in my eye, terrified. He says, no. More like Foghorn Leghorn. And I start to laugh. But the guy keeps going. He says, no, more like Foghorn Leghorn, but with a snout instead of a beak and two goat horns just jutting out of his skull. Bullshit, right? I tell him as much and he proceeds to pull back his coat to show me four big ass slashes on his left side. They ain't deep, but they ain't nothing. Something definitely got a hold of him. I'm still thinking this guy fell while climbing over a chain link fence or something, but then he pulls out his phone and shows me a picture. It's blurry because of course it's fucking blurry. Like fucking Sasquatch or some shit. But I can make out enough details to see exactly what he described. A six-foot-tall chicken man with a goat's head. 
house is fucking weird, man. Hey, Graham. Daryl from Lubbock again calling in. I got one for you. Back in 1994, me and my buddy Mark Florikowski were headed back from Albuquerque to Aspen, and we ended up stopping for gas in this tiny little nothing town called Therma, New Mexico, about 50 miles or so east of Teos. We went inside to pay for our gas and get something to drink, but there wasn't anything in the store except a counter and a cash register. Behind the counter were these two guys, all wrinkled and leather-skinned and shit, but the weirdest part was that they didn't have any hair, like any at all. None on their heads or their faces or their arms or legs, no eyebrows. And I remember it smelled weird in there too, like a hospital. That unnatural sort of sterile smell, but wetter. Anyways, one of them said, you boys look thirsty, have a drink, and pulled out a couple bottles of water. Fuck that shit, right? No thank you. But my buddy Mark grabs one and just starts to chugging. They smile, he smiles, and I'm just standing there like, can I pay for my gas and leave already? I told Mark he probably shouldn't drink water from hairless hillbillies. He just laughed and said too late it already happened. He used to say that all the time. Well, we made it about half an hour down the highway before Mark started screaming about fleas under his fingernails and spiders laying eggs in his neck. I tried to calm him down, but it was pointless. I remember him looking me straight in the eyes and saying he could see his mother buried up to her neck in red sand, cooking somewhere out in the desert. I got us a room in some other crap town and let him sit in the shower until he stopped crying. Completely ruined our trip. Oh, and I almost forgot the best part. There is no Thurman, New Mexico. It doesn't exist. It's not on the map. Someone is playing games out there, Graham. Hey, I, uh, I have some things I want to say, so I thought it'd probably just be easier to call the tip line and leave you a message. I heard the calls at the end of the last episode. Wow. You don't deserve all that. I mean, I, I get it. I was upset, sure, but I know, and I'm sure Jerry and Beth know, deep down, you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to help. I don't know how to make this feel normal. Most days, I'm just running off the clock. I'm consistently drained, but I never sleep, and when I do manage to sleep, I have the most vivid nightmares and it's always the same few things i'm back in the woods all alone again or or i'm trapped in a burning building or sometimes i'm on the outside of it and and i'm just watching it burn or my brain will even remix and mash up a few classics together where i don't know i i show up late to class and i realize i've been skipping all semester and it's exam day and then Some fucking bear with horns and claws walks in the door and starts tearing everyone apart. I just, I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say that I'd still be willing to talk. Look, I think, I think the universe is sending me messages to keep going. It's, it's really hard to explain, 
Sometimes it's just a feeling. And sometimes it's a sign. Literally. There's a billboard in downtown Austin right now that says, Fly nonstop from Austin to Taos. And where should it be but literally two blocks from my job? It's on the path I walk from a parking garage to the call center, and there it is. A 50-foot message from the universe telling me to go back to New Mexico to keep looking. Or maybe it's just all the people in Austin searching Taos because of the case, and some algorithm highlighted some connection and, and thought it could make some money. I have no clue. But I choose to believe it's a message from the universe and not just an ad. I was scrolling through Facebook, torturing myself, and I came across some pictures from when me and Buddha first moved in together. There's, I mean, there's over 900 pictures in the album, and they were almost all pictures of our dog, Jocelyn. We didn't have her long. She was an old dog who needed a home, and we were a young couple who needed a living thing to share. So for a couple of years, Jocelyn was our old little puppy. I always loved blue healers. Ugh. My um, my best friend had one when I was a kid, and that dog, Socks, uh, went everywhere with us. So when I saw Jocelyn sitting there in the cage at the shelter, I immediately thought of Socks. My heart swelled, and I knew we'd found our dog. I scrolled through the pictures for probably three hours. I don't think I'd realized how many pictures I'd taken of Jocelyn and Buddha napping on the couch together. And the next day... I'm out walking through a nature preserve behind my apartment complex, and I'm barely 10 minutes into my walk, and I see a blue healer run past me. I didn't get a good look, but from what I did see, I thought it looked so much like Jocelyn. Another day, another walk, same spot, and the same thing happened. Only this time, since it grabbed my attention right away, I noticed a blue and red dog collar. It was the same exact collar Jocelyn wore, on an identical dog. Without really thinking about the logistics of what my brain was telling me, I was seeing, I I called out to her and shouted her name. The dog stopped, turned its head, and barked at me. And in that moment, I, I could see for sure it wasn't a dog that looked like Jocelyn. It's her. It's my baby girl. And I tell her to come, and she runs away, once again turning around the corner to another trail and disappearing. I've gone back almost every day for the past few weeks, hoping I'd see her again. But she hasn't come back. But come on, that that has to be a sign, right? It's not it's not just it's not just a coincidence. It it, it has to it has to mean something. I mean I don't I don't know. Like I said, it, it calms me down to pretend that all of this means something, that all the clues will actually lead us somewhere. But, oh, fuck. If I can't talk to you about it, then I'll just repeat it in my head until I convince myself I'm losing my mind. Mm, sorry. Sorry, this message is so long and weird and pointless. Just, Graham, call me back sometime if you want to talk or whatever. Please don't put this on the show. Yeah, I saw something in the woods. It was big, it was brown. It was a bear. But then after that, I saw, uh, well, it was a campfire. Truthfully, I didn't see much. It's just lonely, you know, and I don't have anyone to talk to, so I'm calling up. Um, I did see something in the sky once. It was a cloud. It looked kind of like, uh, I, 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 one time I, uh, uh, I saw, uh,
The Subjective Truth is a Good Point Podcast. Written and produced by Jeremy Ellett. This episode featured performances from Danielle Ellett, Chris Butera, Jared I. McGee, Bryce Banker, Sarah Nightmare, Joshua Maldonado, Wilson Apollo, Some Olives, Elliot Gindy, Baggio Alvarado, and Addison Peacock as Graham Anderson. Vocal direction by Danielle Ellett. Editing and sound design by Jeremy Ellett. Music by Baggio Alvarado. With additional music by Kevin McLeod, Azalon Solicitous, and Lee Rosevere. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.